0: Hello you sexy sat stackers. Today's episode is brought to you by the letter C. No, not the vitamin C that I'm taking to help me get through this episode, but that thing that I apparently had to travel to Atlanta to experience. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. You sexy sat stackers and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin podcast. Today is Wednesday, July 6th, 2022, and that means it is DCA Wednesday. Uh what's really cool about that is that this is going to be our 50th stack. We started DCAing all the way almost a year ago now on July 28th of 2021, and this is a special episode, obviously not just because it's f- stack number 50. But because we've reached a significant milestone in terms of USD, this will be our one thousandth dollar invested in terms of U.S. dollars. And for those of you wondering all the time on the on on Twitter or on Reddit, et cetera, if you're too late or if you only have hundred bucks and it's even worth it, or whatever that case may be, may be, I think we have definitely shown that uh, even well, even investing just twenty dollars a week. Uh, we've socked away $1,000, and we've done it uh, in a manner that has smoothed out those highs and those lows. And uh, anyway, uh, before, we get all, before we get into all of that and, and more, real quick, a look at the vital statistics. Currently, at the time of this recording, we are at a block height of 743896 Bitcoin is up just a tiny bit from last week. Um, it's been hovering in that nineteen dollars to $20,000 range for about a month now. Our last uh, three or four purchases in a row were all pretty much in this same range. Uh, Right now, Bitcoin is valued at twenty thousand four hundred and ninety-five U.S. dollars per Bitcoin, or four thousand eight hundred and seventy-nine Sats per Cuck Buck. Uh, That Sat value is down significantly from the last several weeks. This will be—it'll still be a significant number of Sats we're adding to our stack, but. Not quite as many as we were adding when it was under 20 in the sub-20 range. Uh, and who knows, maybe it'll go back down. Uh, you know, the rule of thumb is, as soon as I buy, it will. So if you're doing your DCA stack and you're waiting till after you hear this podcast to do your DCA stack, uh, maybe maybe this purchase will lower that price for you a bit. If you want to trade your shiny yellow rocks for Bitcoin, your gold gold, Peter Schiff, my precious coins. Funny story to talk about later about Peter Schiff. It will now cost you 11.6 ounces of gold to buy just one Bitcoin. That is a full 1.1 ounces of gold, more an entire extra gold doubloon to buy just one Bitcoin than it did last week when 10.5 ounces of gold would score you one Bitcoin. Um, And if you're feeling hungry, 1Bitcoin will score you 1,228 Papa John's pizzas. Uh, That is about 80 pizzas more than it would have this time last week. Of course, we recorded our podcast a day late uh, because I was on the road, and that all ties into this also. Uh, Oil, the price of oil has uh, crashed in terms of Bitcoin. Last week, it would uh, one bitcoin would score you one hundred and sixty-five point nine nine barrels of oil, and today one bitcoin will buy you two hundred and three point nine three barrels of oil. So while oil is really expensive still in U.S. dollar terms, uh, it has come down. Well, it's come down a little bit in U.S. dollar terms, but it's come way down in terms of your purchasing power compared to bitcoin. Uh, That is an extra forty, almost fifty thousand. Bitcoin, uh, 40 or 50,000 barrels, 40 or 50 barrels, one Bitcoin will score you. Again, I'm having a little bit of a hard time communicating today. I know that seems to be a common theme these last few episodes, so bear with me. Um, I am barely feeling up to rattling this episode off today, so uh, hopefully we'll get through it. If you pay attention to the, well, what some people consider a worthless statistic, but I like to follow anyway the market capitalization of Bitcoin is up about 30 billion to 391.2 billion last episode it was 363.3 billion so just under 30 billion dollar increase in market capitalization again some of that is the fact that bitcoin's just a couple hundred dollars more a coin than it was than we uh, purchased at last week however again market capitalization takes in the current value of bitcoin and all bitcoin currently existence and because every 10 minutes on average more bitcoin are added to uh, the stack of existing bitcoin at least until uh what the year 2140 when the last bitcoin will be mined um, that's going to change the market cap as well i mean that has an influence on the market cap not as much as price does because we're only adding what six and a quarter bitcoin uh, per block for a mining reward, 6.25 Bitcoin every 10 minutes on average, which was of course half of the 12 and a half bitcoin before the 20 20 halving. And again, we're now we're halfway between halvings, so there'll be another halving sometime in early 2024 where that reward will be reduced to 3.125 bitcoin. Um, and so while Bitcoin's supply is growing. Slower and slower, and every four years that new new supply of Bitcoin that miners receive as reward gets cut in half. It is still growing, so uh, technically Bitcoin is not an an entirely deflationary currency uh, up close in the meantime. Just however, its uh, inflation rate is significantly less than that of, uh, well, certainly less than that of fiat currencies, regardless of what country you find yourself in all right where were we market cap uh the mempool is a lot more full than it was last week it's currently going to take 11 blocks just to clear the transactions that are currently pending in my mempool Uh, and while one sat per byte transactions on chain will still clear within a day the recommended sats per byte to uh, be guaranteed in the next bitcoin block is more than doubled from last week to 30 sats to guarantee that you're in the next block last week 14 sats would have guaranteed 14 sats per byte would have guaranteed that you were in the next block uh, i think at the time of recording I, it, anything would have gotten in the next block because there was only uh, the block was less than half full but now there's 11 blocks pending to clear the mempool and so uh, if you have a rush transaction that has to be done on chain of course there are ways to uh, mitigate that with uh, replaced by fee or child pays for parent But if you want your transaction to go through, the current best price that you can get to guarantee that according to at least this estimator is 30 sats per block. That metric you know that I like to pay attention to, the 24-hour transaction rate of on-chain activity, is above that magic number of three transactions per second I like to see. It's down a tiny bit from last week, but way up from two weeks ago, and I think a lot of that was the mad dash to get your Bitcoins off of exchanges after what happened with Luna and Celsius and all the fear around, well, I guess the next was Voyager, and uh, <clears throat> and other platforms that were becoming insolvent or imploding or locking their customers out of being able to withdraw their Bitcoin. I think we saw a mad dash amongst people to get their coins off of exchange, off of exchanges, and that is a good thing, uh, and it's also been reflected in that higher on chain uh, transaction volume and and hence the eleven blocks to clear. Um as you know not uh as you know that metric only only reflects on-chain transactions if you're buying and selling on Coinbase or some other exchange uh, you know that doesn't ever hit the mempool you're just buying and trading IOUs in the in the in the exchange's liquidity pool sure they transfer bitcoin back and forth to their cold storage or to people they're loaning it out to so they can short bitcoin etc but in general, um, that's just a fraction of the actual activity that goes on in those exchanges and with lightning network becoming more and more popular, you know, lightning network, uh, makes it practically free. In fact, less than a penny to make a transaction. As long as you've got a channel open, uh, and you only have to open a channel once in theory, you never have to close it. Once you have your lightning wallet set up with at least one outbound channel, you can make transactions to uh, anyone that accepts lightning and, um, and those will not reflect in that transaction volume. And the number of lightning nodes have been exploding still. And with projects like um, Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador and El Salvador's national Chivo wallet, and what yet remains to be seen in Central African Republic, although I think the same company is working with them that set up the Chivo wallet to set up their wallet, so one can assume that ultimately whatever they do will probably be lightning-based also, which makes tremendous amount of sense. Because again, Lightning is very cheap. It scales the number of Bitcoin transactions to almost infinity, and um, and transactions confirm instantaneously. You, you don't have to wait, you know, uh, ten minutes or more for a block to confirm, or six transactions, six blocks to confirm, if you want to be uh, absolutely guaranteed that there won't be an orphan block or a rewrite of any kind. Uh, but again, I digress. Speaking of mining, we are currently only eight blocks away from the next. Bitcoin mining difficulty adjustment, if you don't know, the difficulty that it takes to mine a new Bitcoin block is adjusted every 2016 blocks. And that is because Bitcoin is designed to that on average, a new block will be found every 10 minutes. So the more people competing for the block, the harder uh, the difficulty becomes to make sure that that stays at 10 minutes. Of course, it doesn't stay at 10 minutes. That is an average. And in general, over Bitcoin's lifetime, we've seen an increase steadily of hash power, the amount of competition to mine new blocks. Occasionally, we've seen pullbacks like when China banned mining, or there've been a few other incidents where the mining um, hash power, the total number of uh, computing computers, ASICs, et cetera, dedicated to finding Bitcoin blocks was reduced. Uh, We may or may not be in another period. Marty Bent was speculating on his podcast the other week that he thinks that a lot of Bitcoin miners are getting ready to dump mining equipment as the price of Bitcoin has fallen. In addition, a lot of these mining, uh, huge mining companies uh, are financed in part by loans against their Bitcoin mining machines, uh, or they took huge loans out to buy new machines that haven't even been delivered. So uh, it would be reasonable to assume that with the price of Bitcoin hovering in the $20,000 range, some of those people are going to have judged just as poorly as uh, Celsius did, and will similarly implode. And if they do, that will that will knock some that will knock some of the hash power off of um, the Bitcoin mining network, which will lead to a difficulty decrease, which will ultimately make it more profitable to mine again, and the cycle goes on. That is one of the most genius, smartest things about Bitcoin. It's also one of the techiest, geekiest aspects that a lot of people don't uh, have uh, that a lot of people have a hard time comprehending. Uh, but Nonetheless, that difficulty adjustment is scheduled to occur in approximately eight blocks and is now going to be a decrease of approximately 1.4 to 1.5%. And that is because blocks are currently coming in at an average of 10 minutes and eight seconds. Obviously that is slower than the 10 minute goal. So the algorithm will decrease the difficulty to try and bring those blocks back into a 10 minute average. That 10 minutes and 8 seconds, though, is slowed, has slowed down significantly over the last two weeks. If you remember just last week, Bitcoin was coming in at 9 minutes and 51 seconds, which would have meant we were looking at a difficulty increase, not a decrease. Two weeks ago, we were only three blocks into the new difficulty epoch, so it was almost impossible to gauge where it was going to be because, again, three blocks is not enough to get a good average, uh, you know, especially when you're talking 2016 blocks. Three is a very tiny fraction of that. Nonetheless, two weeks ago, blocks were averaging six minutes and 59 seconds, and that was setting us up for a huge difficulty um, increase. But uh, a couple of things have happened. we've gotten closer to the next uh, adjustment so that averages become more in focus, more the, you know the predictions will be more accurate. And also, I think some of those miners are starting to unplug. Um, and i'm actually kind of looking forward to that because i've really been toying around with the idea of garage mining i know um people say just take the money and buy the bitcoin but in the 2018 crypto winter they were giving antminer s9s away they were selling them for scrap for the price of aluminum and man if you could have picked up a bunch of 10 or 15 dollar antminer s9s then all you really need is reasonably inexpensive electricity like what people pay on average, not like some huge secret corporate rate or, you know, access to a waterfall in China uh, or stolen electricity from, you know, your landlord or whatever, you legit could have made money on uh, a, a bunch of S9s. Of course, they're nowhere near as powerful as the S19J Pros. In fact, they're only about a tenth as powerful. So, man, if those S19s end up coming down in price, like, Anywhere I mean they're like probably i think the last time I checked you could score an s nineteen j pro in the mid two thousand dollar range, which was already down quite a bit from the five thousand dollars a pop they were going for just a little while ago, but if they come down into the two or three hundred dollar range, I'm seriously toying with the idea of picking one up because um even if you just break even and they and the S19s are state-of-the-art enough that even with an average connection at home, if you can put up with the heat and if you can put up with the hellacious noise, because they are loud, um, it, would be worth, it would be worth it. I think you would more than break even. And even if you don't break even, as Matt O'Dell likes to say all the time, it's pretty much one of the last ways to get KYC-free Bitcoin. And of course, that's only partially true because the mining pool that you're taking part in knows what your IP is, unless you're you know, mining via Tor or VPN are taking extreme steps to prevent your mining pool from knowing who you are. Um, And most people are not. uh, So your mining pool probably knows who you are. So they're not 100% KYC free, but at least that information is not being reported to the IRS, for example, or at least not yet. And I guess depending on what mining pool you look at or using, uh, that may or may not be something to worry about. If you're mining with a U.S.-based mining pool, chances of the government getting a hold of that data are a lot more significant than if you're mining with uh well slush pool for example which is um the oldest the first mining pool and and not based in the united states Has a so far so good pretty uh, pretty good record in both privacy and reliability all right i think that's it for the vital statistics Real quick, just a reminder, in case you are not listening to us on a Podcasting 2.0 app, we are available on all your favorite Podcasting 2.0 apps, such as the Fountain app and the Breeze Wallet. We did not get any boosts since the last podcast. However, it is flattering to know some of you are listening on Podcasting 2.0 because I just opened my, uh, my Fountain app about 20 minutes before I started recording this podcast. And, uh, well, the last we, we, we've received a couple hundred sats today. Which is, which is really flattering. Uh, it's not the most we've ever received, and it isn't the same as getting a boost. Uh, and boosts are particularly cool because when you do send a boost, it's, it can be sent as a message. And like we did last week, if you send us a boost and you include a message um, and it's nothing outrageous, or we don't get too many of them, we will try and read them on the next episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin podcast. One thing that's really flattering is last week, as you remember, we came in a day late because I was on the road, and that put us up against a bunch of my favorite podcasts, including uh, Marty Bent and Matt O'Dell's Rabbit Hole Recap. But we still set a new all-time high in, in listeners, a new listener record. So thank you very much. It's flattering to see this podcast growing. Uh, and that is, um, you know, I started doing this almost as a self-help thing. I wanted to play with DCA, dollar, the, the dollar-cost averaging strategy, and I wanted to do so Uh, in a way that was public and in a way that I could look back in success or failure in a few years and be on the record uh, and not just be one of those guys that tells you about what my secret trading strategy was and why you should come to my conference or some hockey pucky like that. So it's really cool that you guys are listening. So thank you very much. And for those of you who listened on Breeze or Fountain or your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, thank you as well. Uh, It is it's it's uh, it's really neat it's like an on it's like a real-time pad on the back a real time you know knowing it's it's a real-time dopamine feedback when when you see the sats stream into your uh, into your wallet and that means that someone listens and someone supports what, what i'm doing and and that's cool so so thank you thank you very much are we in a recession is this time different is that why this time is different uh just last week, the official first quarter g d p numbers were revised down uh, and they were revised for the third time i believe it was to a negative one point six percent. The standard accepted definition of a recession is two or more quarters of negative g d p growth and uh the end of June uh was the end the close of the second of the second quarter of twenty twenty two so when those GDP numbers come out, if they are a negative number, then we will officially be in a recession. And it's kind of silly because uh, if they come out and declare, hey, it's a recession, that means, yeah, we've already been in a recession for two months. But but that's the way it's done. As a reminder, these third, the first quarter GDP results just had their third revision, and it's not unusual for them to go back years later and revise those numbers again. So... I personally believe we're going to see the numbers come out and it's going to show a very modest, like 0.1% or something ridiculously low growth, or maybe even zero, something flat, just so they can say, oh, we're not in a recession. Because remember the lie that they're feeding you right now is that this is the best economy we've had in 50 years, remember? I, I think that 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 noise is kind of dimmed a little bit. You don't hear it repeated as often, and maybe maybe they're hoping you forget about it, but because you know the price of gas at the pump is so much and everything is going through the roof at the grocery store. So they're hoping that maybe you'll forget that they kept ramming down your throat that we've got this robust economic growth. Because remember, the exploding job market is the reason why we have to raise interest rates, right? Because how they are gonna get inflation under control is they are saying that inflation is because you're just too rich. You're making too much money, you're spending too much money, so we have to hurt you. We have to slow down that robust hiring, and we have to slow down your spending so we can get economic growth down to where inflation will go down. Obviously, it's all bullshit. They know what causes inflation. Inflation is caused by one thing and only one thing, and that is the change in the dynamics of supply and demand. And in that case, in this case, it's because the demand has skyrocketed, as far as the number of dollars, not necessarily the number of purchases, but the number of dollars available to go after products. And if you wanna blame the supply chain, that's great. But all that does is it makes that increased number of dollars chasing after the goods, chasing after fewer goods, which means that the cost of those goods is gonna go up. So um, back to what I was saying is I would predict that they're gonna come out and say, we have very little growth in the second quarter or at least flat so they can say, look, we're not, we're not in a recession. You know, we're not, uh, we've got an election coming up in November, for God's sakes. Probably one of the most election, important elections in the United States in a long time. Uh, the entire House of Representatives is up for election and a large portion of the Senate. And the way the predictions are right now, the party in power is looking to get their hineys whipped. So um, the last thing they wanna do is admit that we're in a recession. And since they have two or three times to revise the numbers before they're official, if they do what they did last quarter, the true numbers won't be released until days before the election. And then they can come out and say, oh yeah, we were in a recession, but look at all the other great things we're doing. And and by the way, the guys that are running against you are evil, and they want to take away all your rights, and some of them um, tweet really mean things. So uh, please vote for us anyway. All right. Uh, despite all the doom and gloom uh, out there, I think there's still tremendous reason to be hopeful. I personally enjoy a uh, bear market. I enjoy it for multiple reasons. It's just a lot more fun. Plus, there's some schadenfreude in watching all those scam coins get crushed because every bull run, all these the next bitcoins that are going to in bitcoin come riding in on all the bitcoin enthusiasm and the only reason anybody's buying them or investing any money at all into them is because they're hoping that they can get in on the next bitcoin. And as Adam Meister at TechPod always says, bitcoin is the next bitcoin. All these s coins that come along, it's the same thing every four-year cycle. If if you're new to this, <clears throat> if you remember last time it was if you're not new to this and you remember last time it was the ICO craze, which was basically shitcoin craze they were trying to say that you know that it was like instead of stocks you were investing in these companies that were these startups that didn't make anything but if you if you bought these coins and they and they came up with their inventions or started their companies you would you would be a stakeholder you would you know you would the coin would become valuable and of course 99.99% of them not only didn't get off the ground they were just flat out scams they never had any intention of doing that uh, of starting their companies or developing their products it was all just bs and they drained a lot of money away from a lot of uh, unsuspecting, uninformed <clears throat> people. That then turn around and said, "See, this is what Bitcoin's all about," and Bitcoin gets a black eye from it. Fast forward to the twenty twenty two, having same thing happened. There's uh, Bitcoin's market capitalization was over a trillion, but the total freaking crypto market cap was over two trillion. That means half the money out there was flowing into these scam coins, which have all since, for the most part, evaporated. Um, they're still out there, but they're worthless and um and that's got people seething and calling for regulation and and wanting to uh, and wanting to crack down on Bitcoin when Bitcoin has nothing to do with it other than the fact that uh, people are hoping to get rich quick and they feel like they missed out on Bitcoin, but they can always score on the next big thing. So these crypto bear markets, these crypto winners, whatever you want to call it, are a good thing because all that noise dies down and we can just focus on Bitcoin. Plus, if you're on Reddit or Twitter, the memes just get really damn funny. Uh, It seems like the creativity goes away in a bull run. And then in the bear market, like all the best memes, all the best Bitcoin parody songs come out. Uh, It's just a lot more entertaining. I know plan B has not um, got the best glow of respectability about him right now. A lot of people are bummed that his stock-to-flow model seems to have gone kaput. It's, his stock-to-flow cross-asset model was certainly destroyed, as was his on-chain model, which predicted that Bitcoin would have hit 135,000 by last no, by about last December. I, I'm, even if you are super new to Bitcoin, I think you can know that that did not happen. However, Plan B has been pumping the hopium on Twitter recently. Uh, all week, he's been posting... Um, it's not it's hopium, but it's facts. He's been posting uh, and it's a lot of it is is technical analysis, but uh, if you but all the technical technical analysis is based on statistics like relative strength index and things like that. So he's posted numerous posts out there. His most recent today was a chart saying that something along the lines of the real the realized two hundred day moving average um, and relative strength index and all of that appear to be basically what he's saying showing a bottom. Um, as I said, this time is different in a lot of ways. Every time I've looked at his charts, even his stock to flow charts, if you looked at the, um, the, uh, the bottom of the chart, it was, I don't remember what metric was down there. It was stock to flow multiple or something that was at the bottom of his charts always showed a, what to me, what looked like a very clear pattern of diminishing returns. Each having cycle still had an all, a new all time high, but it was reduced by a factor of a lot, um. Which would make sense for multiple reasons. A, as more people know, become to, you know, the reason, part of the reason, there's two reasons I think the four year halving cycles pump Bitcoin. A, the supply of Bitcoin that the miners are finding, that the miners need to sell to uh, fund their mining operations is reduced. So there's less Bitcoin on the market. Supply and demand says Bitcoin gets more expensive. Also, the hype and all the media surround it, they bring a lot of people into the market. Uh, Sure, a lot of people end up getting, you know, lured into scams and altcoins. But more people learn about Bitcoin, more people in the market equals increased demand. So supply and demand, but price goes up, right? However, every four years, there are fewer and fewer people out there left to learn about Bitcoin. And every four years, that uh, even though the amount the miners are getting for their reward is cut in half, half of, you know, um, half of six is only, is only gonna be three. And, and this time, half of 12 was six. And that, you know that was nowhere near as significant as when fifty got half to say twenty five, and then twenty five got half to twelve. So the difference between fifty and twenty five—that's twenty five bitcoin. Well, right now we're only mining five, so you can see that the physical sheer number of bitcoin being mined is—it's more than just being—it's um, more than—it's more than just being cut in half. The difference between fifty bitcoin being found a few years ago and six being fi- fi- being found right now uh, means that there's fewer bitcoins. If you were Bitcoin, sorry, Marty, I agree. It's Bitcoin. <laughs> like you don't see two deers, you see two deer, but you know, a tomato, tomato. Uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's not unreasonable to think that, uh, eventually the halving cycle will, will be less and less significant to the point of irrelevancy in the term of Bitcoin price. Other things will be more important. Um, clearly the mining reward getting cut in half probably would not be anywhere near as important as say a country, um, three or four times the size of El Salvador adopting Bitcoin or any major country you know adopting Bitcoin would just be gigantic. Um, if, if El Salvador succeeds with their volcano bonds and other countries, uh, right now everybody's funding Bitcoin and funding El Salvador as hard as they can because the powers that be the bankers and the fiat world, uh, they know that if El, when when El Salvador succeeds, It's going to be a huge shining example to a lot of other countries. And it only takes one or two more to jump on and then the dominoes start falling. So when that happens, I think that'll have a bigger effect on the price of Bitcoin than the halving will. Um, But nonetheless, there are a lot of positives in the fundamentals right now. And to get back to Plan B's tweet, uh, somebody replied to the tweet saying something along the line that all the data science models signal we're deep in the green zone. Maybe we still have some room to go lower, but we're close. Plan B replied, Yeah, it's funny, all signs are green, but we, parentheses including me, are all afraid to buy and are steer fearful. With hindsight, we will look at this time and shake our heads why we did not buy more. It always goes like this, literally always. And he's correct. And that's the whole part about a bottom. If you have hope, if you're not afraid, if you're not fearful, if there's not panic in the streets, there is room for Bitcoin to dump more. Uh, for people that think it's never going to go down, if people think that's it, it's the bottom. Um, then that's when you know it's going to crash. If people, when people capitulate, um, the capitulation when people go, it, that's it, it's over. When you start seeing all oh, the Bitcoin is dead, there's no way I'm going to throw any more money. When freaking Plan B is afraid to put his money into Bitcoin, then you know we're getting near a bottom. That being said, uh, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. And if Bitcoin goes this cycle like it has every time in the past, it ain't over anytime soon. As I've mentioned before, the crypto winter after the 2027 all time high, the 2018 crash, um, it languished, um, around the 10,000 or $8,000, um, level, you know, it bounced up into the teens and down to eight, but in general, it was around around the $10,000 range for about two years. And then it had a final, uh, capitulation, which, uh, sank it to like three thousand dollars, and that was the true bottom. And so, if history repeats, um, we could be looking at another fifty percent tank in Bitcoin's price. But if it does, um, that was short lived, and we and we were on our way to the next bull run. And if you believe in in the cycles, and if you believe in the four year, uh, the four year. Four year cycle, the four year having theory, the 2010 block, 210,000 block theory, whatever you call it, um, Bitcoin will be worth more during the next bull run than it is now. If it sets a new all time high, which it always seems to do, um, obviously it'll be higher than at any point you anything you could invest will be worth more then than it was now. But even if it just goes back to $50,000, uh, that's more than double what Bitcoin is currently valued at right now. So like today, getting ready to do my podcast, I was kind of watching the price like a hawk for a couple hours while I was doing my prep, hoping I get to buy like under nineteen. You know, not not at the twenty thousand dollar range like it's at right now. I just something about buying under twenty sounded ideally. Mean, like eighteen would have been fantastic, but in the grand scheme of things, I just need to buy. I just need to add to my stack because two to four years from now, uh, we're going to be looking at this podcast. Think how ridiculous it was that we're just not stacking everything. Uh, everything you can stack. And that reminds me of another uh, quote I saw on Twitter, and I don't remember who posted it, but it was something along the lines of, it was one of those memes with uh, the hot chick and the guy looking at the hot chick, and it said, like, me trying not to, uh, trying to stick to my DCA plan instead of just dumping all my money in or, or buying the dip or whatever. And remember, you can buy the dip and DCA. The important thing about DCA is that you're consistent and you stick to it. It does not mean when you don't see a phenomenally good sale on Bitcoin that you don't buy as well. We do buy the dip here, as I've mentioned on multiple episodes. Again, for the purpose of keeping this test pristine, the data of our DCA pristine. I don't include any of that in our in our in our numbers. Maybe one day I'll do a breakdown and show you how uh, buying some of the dips helped or didn't help, but in the meantime, our numbers for this podcast are based exclusively around our DCAs. That doesn't mean you also can't or should not buy the dip. Also on Twitter, Documenting Bitcoin tweeted today, quote, more Bitcoin was withdrawn from exchanges last month than ever before. Well, that's great. That's great for multiple reasons. A, the not your keys, not your cheese, not your keys, not your Bitcoin thing. But B, because um, when Bitcoin is flooding onto exchanges, that's usually an indication that people are getting ready to dump. People are getting ready to sell. You have a lot harder time panicking and pressing the sell button when the Bitcoin's sitting in your ledger or your treasure or your cold card in your cold storage, your uh, hardware wallet, however you choose to store your Bitcoin. Hopefully you are storing your coins off exchanges and on a hardware wallet. Um, so... A lot of that is probably up to... Uh, a lot of that is probably the, uh, the result of uh, Celsius and, and uh, Terra Luna and all the other implosions, very public destructions of these altcoin platforms and lending DeFi platforms uh, we've seen. But regardless, it's a good thing for multiple reasons. Nobody should be keeping your Bitcoin on exchanges uh, because, you, A, you, you, if your exchange goes out of business, files bankruptcy, you're screwed. You're going to be like those Mt. Gox people who are now trustees in the bankruptcy proceedings that still have not gotten any of their bitcoin back when they do they're going to be getting us dollars back based on the dollar value a fraction of the dollar value of what their bitcoin is worth before Mt. gox imploded so you know you've heard the stories that if you'd bought only a hundred dollars of the bitcoin 10 years ago you'd be a millionaire not if you had it on Mt. gox you wouldn't because you're going to get ten dollars back not um not a million all right before it gets any longer and before i lose my voice Let's get on to the reason we're here, and that is because, as I said, it is DCA Wednesday. What is DCA, you might ask? DCA is short for Dollar Cost Averaging, and Dollar Cost Averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 50th stack. We started not quite a year ago on Wednesday, July 28th, and we've stacked $20 every Wednesday since then. So, so far we've stacked 49 times. Uh, That has netted us a stack of 2,360,837 sats. We're gonna add to that today. Uh, And to do so, as usual, we're gonna use the Cash App. I love the Cash App. They are not a sponsor of this podcast. It would be cool if they were. It'd be even cooler if they gave us a custom referral code because every Cash App user gets a referral code and ours is alphabet soup because we're nobody's as far as they're concerned but if you like the cash app and you want to use the cash app and it's available to you and you don't already have it there is a referral code in our show notes and if you click on that link to sign up for cash app you'll get five bucks free just for doing so we'll get five bucks free too and you consider that a tip to us to help us out with the podcast that would be much appreciated and it wouldn't cost you any of your money you'll get you'll get free money you'll get five bucks for doing it. So we'll get five bucks. You'll get five bucks. Everybody wins. And I love Cash App. For example, the other day I went through the McDonald's drive-thru because I was feeling like hell and I figured why not eat crappy food and make myself feeling crappier, right? So um, I went through the McDonald's drive-thru and I used my Cash App debit card that they will send you if you want. And um, they have boosts that you can add. And this boost that I've had every week Sometimes it, it doesn't show up, but I've seemed to get it all the time. And it was 5% back in Bitcoin on any restaurant up to a hundred bucks. So I went through the McDonald's drive through and I got like 9,000 sats back, uh, for buying a bunch of chicken McNuggets and stuff. So that was money I was going to spend anyway. And it's cool to get 5% back in Bitcoin for it. And right now with Bitcoin cheap, you're actually scoring a decent number of sats, five bucks When Bitcoin was sixty-nine thousand dollars, might not have been very much, but today it was almost ten thousand Sats, uh, or whatever, and that was that was really cool. So I like Cash App. Um, Interesting sidebar: I've been hearing Guy Swan shill the Fold app uh, relentlessly because they are a sponsor of his podcast, and he talks about spinning the wheel and getting Sats back. So Fold app is a similar concept. Only Cash App has also got a PayPal function where you can send money to anyone. You could, you know, if you if you need to. If you're a dad and you have kids in college and they call you up and they need that extra two hundred fifty dollars for the textbooks they didn't buy, you can send it to them instantly, uh, and they can, you know, buy their, um, buy whatever they need. Or uh, if you want to reimburse somebody for drinks or lunch or whatever, you can. It's instantaneously zap them whatever money you owe them exactly. Um, or if someone's out running an errand and you're like, hey, can you pick me up a toothbrush? Whatever the case may be. Um, You don't have to do the I'll pay you back later thing. You can send them the money before they even get to the store. Uh, And that is cool. So um, uh, with the Fold card, allegedly, you get uh, at least 1% cash back on every purchase you use. You don't have to use a boost. And then they have that gimmick wheel where you spin it. Long story short, I figured I'd sign up and give it a try. I know the not your keys, not your coins thing, but it's Bitcoin I don't have. It's money I was going to spend anyway. So I figured I'd give it a try and I earned a couple sats. I think I had maybe six or 700 sats in my wallet, and boom, rugged, shotgun KYC. Magically, I I couldn't log in, and there was no explanation, so you send it a support ticket, and it comes back and said, oh, yeah, yeah, periodically we we review everything just to make sure we have the best security possible, and uh, what you need to do to continue using it is you need to do the selfie with the photo ID, something proving today's date on it. Oh, and a full copy of your lease or rental agreement. Not just the front page. Every freaking page. Or they'll also settle for your car insurance, but they wanted every page. The declaration page. Uh, or an entire utility bill or something along those lines as well. But it's like, I'm not going to submit to you my freaking lease agreement just so I can spin a wheel and maybe uh, and use your stupid product. So, hey, Fold, fuck you. Um, and I was... I'm feeling kind of stupid for even signing up for your damn app. Um, I'm, unfortunately, I'm only out like 600 and something sats. Uh, but that should be a lesson that even I got caught up in that. And I did uh, because um, everyone's always interested in earning those extra sats. And this wasn't a, wasn't a Ponzi scheme per se. And I also very much enjoy listening to Bitcoin Audible and Guy Swan So, hey, guy, if you happen to listen to my podcast, be advised that your premier number one sponsor is a fucking scam. Pardon my French. Fold, if you're listening, I've already given you your message. Now, back to the app that's never jacked me. Speaking of Jack, thank you, Jack Dorsey. We love you. We love everything you're doing for Bitcoin. It'd be cool if you gave us a custom referral code because we've basically been pimping your app for a year now. Um, But I digress. We are going to open up the handy-dandy cash app. I'm also probably getting a fever again, so if I'm delirious and babbling, I apologize. Um, but be uh, advised that regardless of what fear-monger you may have heard, oh, and also, if you follow all of the precautions, every single one of them that the government tells you to follow, you'll still fucking get it. Uh, at least everyone in my family will or did. So, um, And the irony is I spent all of last year in the winter of death in Florida where we were all supposed to die, right? and i didn't get sick until i left the state so go figure if i'd stayed here with us savages in florida i'd be tip top Uh, but this is not a conspiracy theory podcast uh, and we don't want to get banned for saying that i'm sick right now but i do want to make this purchase before i get off onto any other fever induced tangents so opening up that cash app I do not keep money on my cash app. That's the other reason I like it. If you need to spend money, send money, whatever, you can add it instantly. Uh, And I do so because I have my normal debit card linked uh, to that. I do live in a tourist town. I hate using my debit and credit cards because I have been an identity fraud victim numerous times. Uh, And so by using my cash app card, if they get it, it's empty. They can't do anything with it. Uh, So I, but... I can add money immediately and it's immediately available to spend and withdraw. And that is cool. A lot of other apps won't let you do that. They'll make you wait up to a week for cash app for, for, you know, for a, or not cash app, a week for like Coinbase. If you do a, a wire transfer before they'll let you touch that money. Apps and brokerages that will let you buy right away usually have a withdrawal restriction. They won't let you transfer that out for a long time until they make darn good that you're good for your money, that it doesn't bounce. And while you might think that's reasonable, it still sucks and Cash App will let you buy and transfer immediately. So we've added 20 bucks just while I was babbling. Press in the little Bitcoin logo in the bottom right-hand corner. And press buy. And it's going to ask me to confirm. And boom! Just like that, I've stacked another 95,071 sats. Bitcoin got a tiny bit more expensive while I was blabbing. Uh, when we started this podcast, it was twenty thousand four hundred ninety-five. We just purchased at twenty thousand five hundred and sixty-three, so just a little bit more expensive. But those ninety-five thousand sats bring our stack up to two million four hundred fifty-five thousand nine hundred eight sats. Probably as or more important than that, it knocked our average cost basis down to forty thousand seven hundred eighteen dollars and fourteen cents. That is underwater. Obviously, Bitcoin's worth half of that right now, but that's down $792.56 from last week. And last week we knocked $900 off. The week before that, we knocked $996 off. Three weeks ago, we knocked another $900 off. It wouldn't be reasonable to think that next week, if Bitcoin doesn't zoom in price again, that that will knock our stack down below 40,000. And that is the cool thing about dollar cost average. We have purchased as expensive. Our most expensive purchase was sixty-five thousand nine hundred sixty-nine dollars back in October. Uh, the cheapest we purchased was for somewhere around nineteen thousand a couple weeks ago. Uh, so we purchased the highs, we purchased the lows, we purchased everywhere in between. But that's the point. We're instead of fomoing all in at once and, and dropping our entire stat, our entire sack at sixty-five thousand, we've spread it around, and therefore our average price. Right now it's forty thousand seven hundred and eighteen dollars per coin and four years from now again on none of that will probably be as important but uh, and again we also we started this dca on the run-up we had, bitcoin had already made its first new all-time high in april obviously we had the kind of that lull in the summer and then it shot back up again in the fall so um if you were gonna pick a time to dca in that probably wasn't the best strategic timing to start at the beginning of a bull run but that also means, for our purposes, for the point of testing out whether or not this was a smart idea, um, we couldn't have jumped in at a worse time, right? So um, that will that will certainly that will certainly that will certainly bear proof of whether this is a good idea. But again, dollar cost averaging, like Bitcoin in general, is a long term investment strategy. So um, it will be too soon to judge Bitcoin even. Well, especially four years from now, or two years from now, during the next bull run, when it's easy to look like a genius if Bitcoin's setting all new, you know, all all new all time highs. Keep in mind that every time after new all time high, it seems to do that eighty percent correction. So, um, two years, three years from now, will probably look like geniuses when Bitcoin breaks sixty nine thousand again, and then it'll slide back down to God knows where, and it won't necessarily look so smart. But if you look at, remember to zoom out, and you look. At the long-term trend, and if you believe in the promise of Bitcoin, if you think that um, it is the soundest money, if you think that that more countries are going to adopt Bitcoin, for me it's kind of an all-or-nothing proposition. Something's either going to come along that's going to kill Bitcoin, and every day that Bitcoin survives, and every hardship it goes through, the more likely, the less likely that is to happen, the more likely it is that Bitcoin survives. Um, and if Bitcoin does hit that one million dollar moon one day, that 2,445,000 sats is going to be worth, uh, 24, five, 24, 000, uh bucks, which is a pretty damn good, pretty damn good return for, uh, only a thousand dollars invested anyway. Um, that is pretty much all I have to talk about for today. Again, uh, it, we would appreciate if you follow us on Twitter and give us a shout out on Twitter. And uh, We are at BTC Pod on Twitter. We also have a video version we put together on our YouTube channel uh, where you can find video versions of this podcast if you prefer to watch on YouTube. If you feel so inclined, there is tipping available on Twitter. You can tip us on Twitter. You can also support the podcast directly through the Anchor.fm support link. Uh, if you are listening on the Fountain app or any podcasting 2.0 app, obviously you can support us directly that way. If you do choose to support us with a boost and you keep it uh, not necessarily rated G, but nothing obscene or ridiculous, uh, we will read those uh, boostergrams out on the next podcast, providing there are not too many of them and they are not obscene enough that I can't read them in good conscience or a shill or anything. Just be reasonable. I haven't turned down a boostergram yet. Hopefully we won't ever have to. You can also support us by using the referral links in the show notes. As we mentioned, there's that Cash App referral link where if you sign up and use Cash App, you'll get five bucks just for signing up and we will too. Another app that we use from time to time that we spoke about last podcast, I believe, was the Strike app. And we have a referral code in the show notes for Strike app as well. If you are eligible for if you're if Strike is available where you're at and you sign up and use That referral code, you'll get 10 bucks free just for signing up, and we will as well. And that is two ways that you can help us out uh, in significant ways that will not cost you a penny. In fact, you'll actually get paid to do so. Last but not least, if you feel like donating Bitcoin to this podcast and you want to do so on-chain, there is a Base32 address in the show notes. And if you're watching the video version, that's that QR code in the bottom left corner. And I know we're not using best Bitcoin practices by rotating that address out, but it's kind of hard to use an on-the-fly QR code for a video that you're going to post and leave up forever, and nothing that I'm doing on this show is private anyway, Uh, and if you want to uh, go down that rabbit hole, there are all kinds of ways and things you can do uh, to enhance your privacy if need be. Again, you can contact us via Twitter at @BTCBulletinPod or by email at BitcoinBulletin at ProtonMail.com. Uh, I was going to bring up one other thing, and I don't remember what it was. But um, if you would give this show a review on your favorite podcast app, uh, or give a like and a subscribe to our YouTube channel, anything you can do to help support us non-monetarily would be appreciated. doesn't cost you a penny to smash like and subscribe. It doesn't cost you a penny to go into your Apple podcast and give us a five-star review. That would be fantastic. The more users you can generate for us, the more we can spread the word. I'm trying to orange pill as many people as I can do, and I would appreciate your help in doing so. But until then, don't forget to join us next Wednesday and every Wednesday for our DC episode. Until then, keep stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.